What does the Pacific do if its stocks of tuna fall because the migratory fish are choosing to be in other parts of the ocean? It's been known for some time that climate change is altering the migratory patterns of these fish stocks. Late last month, the New Zealand government provided 15.5 million US dollars for the climate science for ensuring Pacific tuna access program to be administered by the Pacific community. Deputy Prime Minister Kamau Sipoloni said the impact of climate change on tuna is a regional concern and requires a collective and coordinated response. She said this fund will provide critical support for Pacific countries to protect their economic futures. Simon Nicole is a Pacific community's principal fishery scientist and he told Don Wiseman about the work the program is undertaking. Yeah, long name, a, a little bit confusing by its title, but effectively a number of the Pacific Island countries' economies are particularly dependent on their tuna resources. All of the initial work that we've done at a basin scale suggests that there is likely to be a redistribution of tuna with movement out of the exclusive economic zones of a number of the countries into the high seas areas. What is the time span for that, Simon? It's happening now, but it's likely to start to accelerate over the next 30 to 40 years. Yeah. And New Zealand, in its, uh, I, I guess it's, its capacity to look, look into the future, has recognised a couple of things. One, as Pacific Island countries need to adjust their economies to this redistribution, they're going to need the best information available on, on how to plan for those changes and how, and how to make those adaptations. And, and so they've thrown some resources in to allow us to zoom in from the sort of basin scale to the EEZ scale so that we can be much more precise about the extent of change that is likely to occur in each of the exclusive economic zones for the Pacific Island countries. So that's primarily the work that's been done and all the intent of the work is to allow us to be able to make that much higher resolution analysis for the, on behalf of the Pacific Island countries. But there are a number of steps that we need to do along that way, and that includes strengthening up a number of the fisheries monitoring processes we have in place at the moment, and ocean monitoring places, procedures in place. So making them a bit stronger so that we have the information available to, to be able to take that higher resolution zooming with a lot more accuracy, but also to make sure that we're skilling up our Pacific Island colleagues as well, to make sure that they're fully literate in all of the climate science that's going on. So when it comes to the various levels of negotiation that they may wish to undertake over the coming years, that they're in a position of being able to do so with authority. Okay. If you've got migrating fish going somewhere else, how do you ensure that these countries still have tuna access? They may have no access at all. Well, it's not an all or nothing scenario. So tuna will remain in the EZs of, of, of each of the countries. They just may not be as abundant as they are now. A part of the ability to zoom in is that when we look at analyses at a basin scale, our ability to understand how much habitat is precisely remaining in each EZ, so how much of the, the area still retains very, very good habitat, we're not so precise on them. So the purpose here is actually to allow us to be able to get much better estimates of how good the habitat is likely to remain within particular exclusive economic zones. So there'll be some refuge habitat that remains, and that may be sufficient to allow um, countries to still continue to achieve the same level of production and, and, and benefit they get out of tuna. In cases where it's not, 
it will also put them in a position where they're able to negotiate some of those access rights as fish do move out of their exclusive economic zones. I think it's worth keeping in mind that the greenhouse gas emissions that Pacific Island countries emit are, are pretty trivial, particularly in comparison to the other nations that are fishing uh, in the high seas, but also fishing in their exclusive economic zones. If you look at sort of the distant water fishing nations of the EU, America, uh, Japan, China, I mean, they contribute well over 60% of the of the carbon emissions that are relating to climate change. And so being able to quantify what those effects are and, and, and what the changes are also allow the Pacific countries to be in a position of being able to negotiate with those countries as well about what the future access rights might be. When we talk about habitat loss, we mean food for the tuna. That's right. So the distribution of tuna is is not even across space. It is very heterogeneous across space, so very uneven. And that unevenness is derived by the amount of uh, food resources that occur in particular locations. That's a function of the primary productivity that's going on in the water along with the, the currents that um, are prevailing at the time. And so there are some scenarios where the primary productivity and the structure of those currents are likely to be only impacted in a minimal way in particular areas. And the habitat in those areas will remain quite good for tuna. And then there will be other areas where we're seeing quite a deterioration in both that primary productivity and, and with the combination of currents. And we'll see a, a net loss in tuna habitat quality in those areas. And as I mentioned, it's really about quantifying what that processes or what those processes are and what that change is, which will allow countries to be in a stronger position to negotiate the types of outcomes they want from their tuna resource. You you have this, I think, a significant amount of money from New Zealand, isn't it? 25 million New Zealand dollars. How far will that go? It's a, a very generous offer from New Zealand. And um, in particular, what the New Zealand government has understood is that in preparation for a number of negotiations that uh, are coming up over the next or in the immediate horizon, that now sort of make or break time for a number of uh, decisions being made around climate change. And so they've resourced the region so that they can be well prepared for those negotiations within the next you know, two to three years, rather than be in a position of only being partially prepared as those negotiations really speed up in terms of and and you know the rubber hits the road if you like on, on those negotiations so it's a large investment but it's an investment scaled up to allow each of the countries to be in a much stronger negotiating position within the next three years it's a very dramatic situation this isn't it given the dependence that so many pacific countries do have on the the tuna fisheries how big an impact can you imagine these changes in migratory patterns having? The initial work that we have available at the moment is suggesting that we could be looking at in the order of about a $90 million loss in tuna revenue across the main tuna-dependent uh, economies by 2050. So in context of the previous question that you asked before, is it a lot of money that New Zealand's put forward to try and address this? The answer is, yes, it is a substantive sum of money, but it's a substantive sum of money that's needed so that the islands are in a position, as I say, that they can negotiate for what is a, a very, very critical part of their economies. 